Bobby Hurley up the floor with Leitner. They throw it to the left of the floor. Leitner catches, comes down, dribbles, shoots, Hello and welcome to 2.1 Seconds to Madness, your college basketball podcast. It's good to be back. I'm Russell Hainline. Uh, look, let's just let's acknowledge the elephant in the room right away. You know, uh, to get serious for a second, last year was a difficult one. A lot of struggle, a lot of hardship. We didn't know how to process what was going on, how to feel, but... You know, I'd like to just urge all of our listeners out there, please keep the faith. Hope is not dead for us because, as God is my witness, by this time next year, Duke will be in the NCAA tournament. So there is hope for the future. Don't worry about it. In all seriousness, (laughs) it was uh, a difficult year, not just for my poor Blue Devils, but for everybody uh, in terms of not just the real world, obviously, but... uh, a very fraught season with, uh, you know, uncertainty. Didn't know who was going to be eligible, you know, who was going to be playing next week. Uh, many of your fan bases, uh, many of you fan bases, had your teams um, miss whole weeks, play badly when it got out. Uh, we don't really know who's necessarily going to be able to play in any given game, even in the NCAA tournament. And that is not great. <laughs> Obviously, right? So we just need to acknowledge right out of the gate before I even jump into this, this is going to be a really difficult year for bracketology. Uh, I definitely think that anybody who errs on the side of chalk is going to be rewarded, I would think. Uh, We'll talk maybe a bit more about bracket strategy in a second, but uh, I am really just excited that we have a tournament. Uh, I don't care whether it's chalk. I actually kind of want it to be chalk because there's some really, really good teams uh, up at the top where if they make it into the final four, we're going to be rewarded with some fantastic basketball. Uh, But before we get into the games, before we get into the bracket stuff, uh, acknowledgement to K-Bad, my co-host, not able to join for this. Uh, He started a new job recently, uh, is exhausted, said, uh, you know, he has not really been able to watch much basketball, especially towards the end of the season. Didn't feel like uh, he was going to be able to contribute what he normally does, uh, but he sends his best. Uh, I send my best to him. Big congratulations to uh, KB as a Georgetown fan. Uh, I think I tweeted like, boy, I did not expect at the beginning of the season that I, a Duke fan, would be out of the tournament and KB, a Georgetown fan, would be in the tournament. But that's just the kind of season that it was. And uh, KB and I were talking a little bit about the future of this show and how we miss talking basketball with one another very much. Uh, I've definitely missed hearing what he has to say about 
uh, not just Big East basketball, but just basketball in general, picking his brain. Uh, certainly, he's he's pretty tapped into high school players in a lot of ways, uh, has seen some kids come up, uh, and just has some really valuable insight that I really wish that I'd had as I was watching this season. So we're going to try next year, assuming that the world is not a, a steaming hellhole, we're going to try and do at least quasi-regular shows next year. Uh, thank you to everybody who asks when the next show is going to be, when we're going to come back, if we're going to come back. We really want to try next year, and maybe I'll be able to talk KB into doing at least our usual NBA draft preview podcast. Uh, we'll see if our schedules can align, uh, because that's always a really fun episode to hear what he has to say. Uh, by the way, <laughs> I apologize in advance if I'm not very good at this <laughs> right now, uh, much like, you know, uh, going into grocery stores and being in rooms with other people, uh, I have not been podcasting in a while. So this is something where I'm going to be pretty rusty. I'm going to try not to say, uh, too much, going to try not to speed too much, going to try to not misspeak too much, but I can't make any promises. But if you're listening to this, thank you so, so, so much. Uh, I want to go straight into uh, another acknowledgement here. Uh, I want to shout out some people who have been doing some fantastic work uh, in this. I just did it. I just did an uh. (laughs) Uh, Who have been doing some fantastic work in college basketball writing, uh, in particular in regards to the tournament. I'm going to do some pretty broad tournament overview stuff here. I'm going to not dive into too many of the particular players and things like this because I want to try and get through an entire bracket uh, and there's only so long that you all will listen. You're probably fast-forwarding already as we speak. But the good guys at Three Man Weave, uh, Kai, Matt, and Jim, uh, their website is fantastic. Their weekly podcast has been a godsend uh, during this pandemic. Uh, I listen to it the second it drops. I get the notification. I pop it right on. Uh, They just have such great insight. They keep me uh, up to speed about the mid-majors. They have very deep dives on all of the first-round matchups on their website, and I'm really hopeful that they're going to drop a a really nice detailed podcast in the next day or two. So be sure to check them out. Also, uh, Jordan Majewski, uh, who is Jor Cubs Dan on Twitter, uh, has also, uh, I've been using his website for years uh, in terms of uh, placing bets on mid-major games. Uh, he really has a great understanding of what player schemes are, uh, a great understanding of, again, much like the three-man weave guys, uh, a lot of the mid-major stuff. Uh, he just has way more insight. He watches a lot more of it than I do. Uh, I'd like to think that I watch more than the average person talking about college basketball, but I definitely don't sniff what these guys uh, are cooking up there. So uh, also check out his website, Staring at the Floorboards. .wordpress.com. Uh, those two guys, uh, those two outlets, that is to say, uh, Jordan Majewski and Three Man Weave, uh, definitely check them out if you really want to get further in depth with some of these things. And you're going to hear me mention them a couple times in the breakdown because if it's a team that I didn't get to watch too much this year and they agreed on who was going to win or what the spread was going to be, I tended to just uh, pick what they picked for the first round. Um, <laughs> you know, is that a little bit of cheating on my part? Yes, it is. Um, but again, uh, their just depth of knowledge is so much deeper than mine, especially this season where I didn't get to watch as much mid-major. So uh, big shout-outs to those guys. Uh, they have made putting this together a lot easier. Now, let's talk 
filling out your bracket. So if you're going to fill out a bracket, a couple of pieces of advice. First of all, don't pick nothing but chalk. That said, don't go overboard on the upsets. There's a there's a fine balance there. And I generally find, well, <laughs> okay, let me say what I was going to say and then I'm going to caveat the hell out of it. I generally find that if you pick some upsets early, but your Elite Eight forward is relatively chalky, that tends to work best. At least in the years where I've done well, that has been my setup. Uh, but that said, you know, the random person at your office who never watches college basketball is just as likely as I am to win a bracket pool. Uh, the last, it wasn't last season, obviously, we didn't have a tournament, but the one before, I had watched more college basketball than I ever had in my life, and I felt phenomenal, phenomenal, you see, I'm out of practice, gang, uh, phenomenal about how my bracket was going to perform and I immediately sucked. Like all of my, uh, like three of my elite eight people were gone from the first day or something like this. It was absolutely brutal. And I had, you know, <laughs> watched more than, than I ever had in my life. So go with your gut, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Listen to some of us about maybe some of those first round upsets, you know, especially if you're in some sort of bracket that rewards those first round upsets, but especially if you're in one of those brackets that gives you more points for having teams correct in later rounds, definitely go chalk stuff, especially this year. I would say the top, you know, four or five, maybe six teams are really, really strong. And then uh, there's certainly some opportunities for chaos. Uh, I'm going to get maybe a little bit of chaos, but you're going to see by the time we get to the Elite Eight, uh, I'm going to be very chalk heavy. Um, so maybe, I don't know whether that's a smart way to play it this season because of all the uncertainty. Um, maybe, you know, some of the teams that look really strong uh, I've, I've definitely heard some of my friends, my, uh, my Kentucky super fan Huggy definitely thinks that this season, the numbers, you know, just kind of throw them out, uh, to some extent, right? Because, uh, so many teams were in positions that they wouldn't normally be in, uh, and many teams that returned players, uh, certainly seem a lot stronger. Maybe some of the teams that normally get stronger when they have a full off season, maybe they're just now coming on. So maybe now they're hotter than the teams that have been good all year, uh, it's it's really really hard to say, um, but that said, it, it shapes it's going to shape up to be a really good tournament, uh, just for the mere fact that it exists. So that's <laughs> that's something to look forward to. I mean, I guess knock on wood, it is Tuesday. It hasn't started yet. Shit, <laughs> you know. I hope I didn't jinx it. Uh, if I did, I apologize to everybody. So. Let's go through the bracket uh, one game at a time. I'm going to go through the first round first, and then I'm going to go through my second round stuff, Sweet 16, Elite 8, all the way up to the championship. I'm going to try and get through this in as timely a fashion possible. Again, I'm a bit out of practice, and again, I, I beg for your patience, uh, but uh, we're going to see how this goes. First, uh, I'm going to start in the West. Why am I starting in the West? Uh, I don't know. I think I was looking at a bracket that had that in the upper left corner. Uh, it's the one with Gonzaga in it. Uh, our opening round game, for those of you who like the first four games, Norfolk State versus Appalachian State. Uh, I'm picking Appalachian State just because uh, my boy Matty Cox from Three Man Weave, I saw him talking about it uh, on a gambling show he was on. I cannot say that I have watched more than like a half of the like championship 
for uh, these two teams all season long. I don't feel qualified to say anything about it. If Matt says Appalachian State, I'm going to go Appalachian State. So we're going to say Gonzaga is going to play Appalachian State. Uh, it's going to be Gonzaga. We'll talk more about Gonzaga later. No real need to dive into it in this first round. That's an easy smash. Oklahoma, Missouri. Uh, you know, I haven't really loved either of these teams down the stretch. Uh, Oklahoma hasn't beaten a good team in over a month. Uh, Missouri haven't really been world beaters themselves. I, I think that both teams uh, settle for bad jump shots a lot of the time. Uh, but I do think that Missouri has the defenders that can slow down Reeves. Uh, I don't think Brady Manick can handle Tillman. Uh, you know, maybe Tillman gets in foul trouble, then that's going to open some things up for Oklahoma. Certainly, I, I can imagine that's going to be uh, part of the scheme that Lon Kruger is going to go into the game with, try and get Tillman out of there. Um, but then again, I think maybe on the defensive end, there might be some interesting opportunities for Missouri for when Tillman's out. It's just that their offense, I, I don't think Oklahoma has anything for a big man of that magnitude. So, so I like Mizzou here. Um, I don't think they necessarily have a coaching advantage. You're going to be talk a lot about coaching advantages. Um, but I think it's just close enough, especially because I just really have not liked what I've seen from Oklahoma lately. And, you know, that, that really does play a part. You're going to hear me say a couple of times here how a team has looked over the last month because I do think I don't have the numbers on this. I bet the three-man weave guys might. But there have definitely been plenty of years where the team that is sort of just limping across the finish line into the tournament, they do kind of tend to suck in the tournament generally, I feel like. I don't have the stats for that in front of me. I feel like I'm really like on the razor's edge making these claims, but that feels right. And for that reason, uh, I'm going to definitely fade Oklahoma here and go with Mizzou. Creighton versus Santa Barbara. Uh, uh, look, I think Creighton has the tools to win here, obviously. Um, but let's talk about here maybe a little bit of gamesmanship for your bracket. Okay? Now... I'm going to advance, spoiler alert, I'm going to advance Gonzaga uh, through the Sweet 16 anyway, right? Uh, I don't think that it's going to really matter who I pick in here. So especially if you feel really strongly that you've got a team that you know is going to make the Elite Eight, feel like you can have a little bit more chaotic fun with some of those other teams, like the 8-9 below the 1 seed that you know will make it to second weekend. Or, you know, those 4-5 games, we know there's going to be some upsets there. So if there's a 1 seed that you really, really like, then knock out a 5 seed early. Knock out both early. I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do right here. Um, I definitely think Santa Barbara covers the spread here. Uh, they're long. They take away threes. Uh, they run through an, an elite playmaking guard in Ja'Cory McLaughlin. Uh, I'm going to advance them. They do have uh, – Sonny is a scoring wing for them who's got some health questions. I don't know whether uh, he's going to play or not. That might make this tougher. Maybe keep an eye out before you make any sort of bet. That said, uh, when I'm looking for a Cinderella type of team, uh, I do sort of like these teams that uh, can take away – the strength of your team that uh, certainly have length. Uh, there aren't going to be a lot of uh, mid-majors that have length and athleticism. There actually are a couple this year, now that I'm saying that out loud, uh, but in general. So uh, I like them as a possible spoiler here. And again, I don't really have them going far anyway. So I'm going to have some fun with it in my bracket, and I'm going to put them. Plus, their, their mascot is the Gauchos, if I'm not mistaken. And that's a hell of a mascot. Virginia versus Ohio. Uh, 
this one is not too complicated for me, frankly. I have major concerns about Virginia playing without really practicing. Uh, they had, obviously, to drop out of the ACC tournament due to COVID. Uh, I don't know exactly what their travel situation is. They're supposed to play, but I know that they're basically quarantining until like a day, maybe two before the actual tournament. They're not able to practice. Uh, and Ohio is a very real Cinderella team. Jason Preston is the type of mid-major stud that can carry a Cinderella team in March. They're really well coached. They have a lot of shooting on the outside, even outside of their stud player. Uh, I definitely, I would have entertained Ohio maybe even without the COVID concerns, but the COVID concerns make me just like Ohio outright and definitely against the spread. Uh, so I'm going to advance Ohio in my bracket here. And again, part of me feeling so bold about this is because I know I'm picking Gonzaga all the way to the Elite Eight anyway. I don't think Creighton or Virginia would have a chance against Gonzaga, really, personally. So uh, not a tough decision to just get them out of the way early, have some fun with these upsets, see if I can separate myself from some of the people who are going to pick all chalk, uh, and you know, give myself a, a better chance of striking an early lead here. Uh, Drake, Wichita State, the play-in game. I liked what I saw from Drake earlier this season. Obviously, they've had some injury concerns. Uh, Tank Hemphill may not be back or at full strength for this game. Uh, that's definitely another injury to watch. But I like Drake's depth. I didn't love the last couple of games I watched from Wichita State. Uh, this, see, this is kind of where watching games gets into trouble. Maybe Wichita State is is like better than Drake, and I'm making a, a dumb choice here. Right, uh, but I just didn't like the last couple of things that I saw from them. Uh, I don't think Wichita State can keep them off the offensive glass. I don't think Wichita State can defend uh, Drake's off-ball cutting action. Uh, I like Drake, uh, and then Drake would go on to play USC. I now this is kind of interesting. I didn't think about this when I put together my bracket. Most years, one of these first four teams advances into the second round. I definitely don't like it in this situation. I mean, maybe if Tank Hill is at full strength, maybe they can make some stuff interesting, but I, I don't know. I mean, USC's interior defense should really disrupt what Drake wants to do. I don't think they have the size necessary to handle the Mobleys on either end of the basketball. Uh, even though I think it's probably good practice to advance one of these first four teams, and I don't think I actually am in the rest of my bracket, I'm going to advance USC here. Kansas versus Eastern Washington. Uh, you know, they want to push the tempo. They want to speed the game up. I I really wanted to pick Kansas to get upset because they're not going to have Jalen Wilson. Um, I don't really know what their practicing situation is. Definitely some of their more important players uh, have been quarantining recently. Uh, so, I mean, I really wanted to pick against them, but like I just don't think that if you're a team that is not especially athletic and you're going to try and push the tempo, speed the game up, I don't feel like that's a good way to beat Kansas. Um, Kansas just is going to have a big athleticism advantage here. So, uh, you know, I like Eastern Washington to cover, uh, but I don't think I can pick them to win here. Uh, I'm going to go Kansas to advance. Uh, Oregon versus VCU is next. This is not a hard choice for me. I don't like VCU's half-court offense very much this year. Uh, I definitely like Oregon's offense more than VCU's defense in terms of comparing strengths. 
Uh, and Dana Altman tends to perform pretty well in tournament. I'm, I'm going to go Oregon here. Uh, Iowa Grand Canyon. Now, if you want to get really cute, <laughs> if you want to get really cute, if you are someone who subscribes to the idea that maybe uh, this season is bananas, right? That this is a season of, of absolute hardcore chaos, then you might want to pick a two seed to drop. And if you were going to pick a two seed to drop, I don't think that this would be the worst option here. Uh, Grand Canyon uh, can chase teams off the three-point line. They have size inside to defend the interior. They have some of the better uh, better interior defensive numbers in the country. Uh, Iowa definitely wants to go into the post to Garza. Grand Canyon actually has some size to deal with Garza. Uh, I ultimately trust Iowa's offense to figure it out and find the open shooter with their just fantastic elite ball movement. Uh, That said, again, if you really want to get cute and try and make your bracket way different from some of the others, or if you're like submitting multiple brackets and you want to have, even though I'm anti-multiple bracket, let it be known for the record, I think anti-multiple, I'm firmly anti-multiple bracket. Multiple brackets is tantamount to cheating in my book. Pick one, stick with it. Uh, But if you are doing multiple brackets and you are a dirty cheater and you want to pick one that uh, gets a little bolder, maybe have some fun here. I don't know. Uh, I I definitely think that Iowa's sort of relatively lackluster defense, even though it's good for them, I I think maybe that makes them a little bit vulnerable in in a matchup like this. Let's go to the East. Uh, For the record, I did pick Iowa, and I, I don't think it'll be that close, but I think the spread was like... 15 or something yeah 14 and a half I mean I definitely like Grand Canyon to cover there I don't I don't think it'll get out of hand unless like Jordan Bohannon goes nuclear which is always a possibility uh Mount St. Mary's versus Texas Southern is the play-in game in the east uh for the 16 seeds Uh, I'm gonna fade Johnny Jones here Mount St. Mary's I, I I confess that I've not seen either of these teams much um but it is what it is uh Mount St. Mary's uh, neither of them is going to challenge Michigan even without Livers uh, playing. So, uh, yeah, Michigan advances. LSU versus the Bonnies. Uh, I, I really like the Bonnies. Um, <laughs> I think – I forget who in three-man weave. I think it's Matt also really loves the Bonnies. I'm, I'm firmly uh, in that camp. Uh, they have great chemistry. They hit the offensive glass really hard. That's going to be bad for LSU's zone. Uh, they have good athletes that maybe don't match LSU's necessarily, but definitely can, can, can remain competitive, I think. Uh, I definitely don't like LSU's shot selection in general or their defensive effort consistency. Uh, I think that LSU has the possibility to just randomly score 20 points in three minutes. And if that sort of thing happens, especially more than once against the Bonnies, then they're screwed. But I like the Bonnies overall better. Uh, so I'm going to pick them to advance. Colorado versus Georgetown. Boy, uh, I tell you what, and KB is going to be smiling about this. I, I really like the matchup for the Hoyas. Uh, you know, they've they've obviously been playing out of their mind uh, the last month. Uh, they've been a top 20 team in the country over the last month via Bart Torvik. Um, maybe they come back to earth here. But, uh, I mean, I think Dante Harris can uh, defensively handle McKinley Wright. And if he can do that, then... I just don't love much of what Colorado has to offer. And I just feel like I got to ride the hot hand here and go with Georgetown. Um, you know, it's a great story. Uh, I, I don't think 
that Tad Boyle is, you know, necessarily going to outcoach Pat Ewing. I know there's been, uh, you know, also, maybe this is part of why I'm going to pick it. I want some of these people who have been cracking lies about Pat Ewing and his coaching to eat crow. Like, I heard that clip from Tate Frazier or whatever where they were making fun of, like, oh, he's, like, pretending to be a coach or something like that. People have made, you know, similar jokes. I mean, he, he was a coach uh, in the NBA on at least an assistant level for several years, if I recall correctly. I mean, it's not like he just, like, decided one day, I'm going to be a coach. Like, he, he's, he's been a coach for a while. Like, maybe he hadn't done college yet, but, like, uh, people are way dismissive of him, and it's pretty weird. Um, obviously, uh, Georgetown did not look very good early in the year, but, I mean, again, top 20 over the last month, uh, small sample size, maybe, but they're doing some things that are right, and, and the confidence is absolutely sky high. They're, they're playing with great chemistry. Uh, so I like Georgetown here. Florida State versus UNC Greensboro. Uh, I really wanted to take Wes Miller's team as a Cinderella, but FSU is just too big and long. Uh, Greensboro's only chance is to turn FSU over a bunch, which can definitely happen. Um, that's I'm going to bring that up a couple times. That's definitely sort of uh, FSU's Achilles heel. Uh, but UNC Greensboro isn't a team to really shoot over uh, the athletes of FSU. They're only shooting like 30% from three. They need to get inside. I don't think FSU would let that happen. Uh, I'm going to take FSU here. Uh, Michigan State, UCLA is the play-in game on this side. I'm taking Izzo. I'm not overthinking it. Aaron Henry's come to life. Uh, I don't really trust Mick Cronin in the tournament yet. Uh, I, I don't even love this Michigan State team. I mean, really, it's just a testament to how Aaron Henry's been playing and the idea that he will continue the way he's been playing. Uh but yeah, then we get to BYU, Michigan State, and I know it's supposed to be smart money both to pick a first four team to advance and to pick uh, an Izzo team to advance. Like what? What's that? John Roth, January, February, Izzo, April, or whatever. Yeah, great, great catchphrase for a guy that's won what zero titles in the last twenty seasons or whatever. But whatever. Uh, I don't really know how Michigan State wins this game. Uh, me, Aaron Henry can go nuclear. That's how you win. Uh, BYU's got a really good coach. I don't think that Michigan State has some obvious uh, coaching advantage here. They've got really good interior defense. They've got really good transition defense. Again, maybe Michigan State can hit a lot of threes, like if you get like a really good Rocket Watts performance and stuff like this. Uh, but they're only hitting 32% from three on the year, under 31% over the last month. Uh, so I like BYU here. Um, and frankly, I don't know that it would be that close. Uh, Texas versus Abilene Christian. Texas, the, this is an interesting one. This is one of the more interesting games uh, in the docket, if I do say so myself. And I do say so myself because I'm here by myself podcasting. Texas, you know, uh, very turnover prone. Uh, I mean, not very, but in terms of high major teams in the field, turnover prone. Abilene Christian forces turnovers at a higher rate than any team in the country. So that's a really big swing factor there. And then when you factor in the fact that I just don't know that I trust Shaka in the tournament with Texas, um, this is by far his most talented team. He's got a, a tremendous amount of talent on the roster. but and, and they've looked really strong at times, but they've also looked pretty head-scratching at times still. Um, 
once again, I, I, I feel pretty good that I'm going to take BYU to the Sweet 16 regardless. So this is a place where I would consider strongly uh, taking an upset pick just because I wasn't going to advance Texas beyond the next round anyway, so why not? Um, that said, uh, Texas definitely has some guards who can do some things in ISO against aggressive pressure, I think. Uh, I love Jericho Sims in the front court uh, disrupting defensively what Abilene wants to do on offense. So I am ultimately going to take Texas, but again, if you want to go a little more upset heavy, this is a really interesting place to look, and I I definitely like the spread here uh, for the dogs as well. Uh, UConn, Maryland. This is another one where I'm not going to overthink it. Uh, Again, coaching coming into play here. I I just don't uh, trust Mark Turgeon. That's it. Uh, UConn has the best player on the floor also, maybe in the whole region. Uh, I think Marcel can do well to deny him some, maybe. I'm talking about James Booknight, obviously, uh, for those of you who don't watch or so. Maybe I should be a little clearer here. James Booknight is gonna, is the best player in the region. And uh, I think Maryland's, Maryland's definitely got a defender who can keep him busy. But I, I still don't think that that solves the fact that I, I like UConn supporting pieces. I don't like Maryland's dicey shot making. Um, everything just seems to be clicking for UConn right now. So uh, UConn, and I don't think it's that close. This is another 7-10 game where I, I just really like one team. Uh, Alabama-Iona, look, I, <laughs> the Rick Patino thing is great. I love all the memes and whatever. Uh, it's great. Maybe if Primo is out, Alabama won't be at full strength. I, you know, Maybe you could make an argument for Iona being interesting in the first 10 minutes. Um, but... You can't pressure Alabama uh, or, you know, out-rebound Alabama. You can't run with Alabama. Uh, I think Iona is going to get absolutely blitzed here. Um, I like Alabama. I love Alabama here, actually. And I sort of love them going forward in the tournament. Spoiler alert. Uh, South region. I keep doing that. I keep, like, hinting at what's coming forward. How am I going to get people to listen until the end if I'm doing that? South region, Baylor, Hartford. Uh, There's been this sort of... First of all, Baylor's going to win. That's a no-brainer. There's this narrative that Baylor is vulnerable. I don't know that I necessarily buy that. I mean, the Kansas loss was weird, but there was the COVID shutdown that they had. So it's not entirely surprising that they would be vulnerable after that. And then the lost Oklahoma State, I mean, Cade and Anderson are the types of dribble drive wizards that can sort of slip in between those gaps for Baylor. But, like, very few teams have the sorts of guards that can pull that off consistently. Um, You know, when I'm looking in this region, and I don't see any, you know, um, not personally. So uh, I think Baylor rolls here. Certainly in the first round, uh, and again, well, I'm not going to spoil. You'll have to see what I say for the second round. Ha-ha! UNC Wisconsin. Um, kills me to say this as a Duke fan. I think UNC is coming on well at the right time. Um, certainly, I do not see how Wisconsin deals with UNC's size, uh, and I'm pretty sure that I read that Roy has never lost a first-round game. I think that that's something that's true. It certainly feels true, even if it's not. And isn't that the more important truth, the one that feels right? Um, I do think that if you want to make an argument for Wisconsin, the fact that the Badgers are are way more experienced and the fact that UNC's guard play has, for large stretches of the season, 
sucked, I think is the right word. Um, so maybe if UNC's guards are, are really not humming and Wisconsin just has the chemistry on lock, then maybe they can do something. But, I mean, those trees for UNC, I mean, good God. There's an argument that Garrison Brooks might be, like, the third best big for UNC right now. I mean, like, that's that's just obscene. And, yeah, I don't think Wisconsin has has the tools to deal with that. I like UNC here. Uh, Villanova Winthrop. Uh, Winthrop was always going to be sort of a sexy Cinderella team because they're long and they're versatile. They've got multiple uh, initiators for their offense. Uh, Burns is a really good player. Uh, and then they went ahead and drew Villanova without Colin Gillespie. So I, I kind of wonder now whether Villanova is just getting underrated Right, like everybody and their cousin knows about Winthrop, knows that Villanova doesn't have Colin Gillespie. I think this is going to be like the sexiest upset pick imaginable. And I kind of think that maybe if you're trying to differentiate yourself from the rest of your bracket pool, you might want to pick Villanova here, frankly. I mean, I'm going to take Winthrop. Uh, I, I don't think Villanova looked the same in the games that they didn't have him. Uh, maybe you could argue they're getting used to it or whatever, but I'm not going to make that argument. Uh, give me Winthrop. Uh, I definitely like Winthrop to uh, cover, but then again, the line has moved a lot, if I recall correctly. I think we're down to six and a half. I mean, you know, I, I, I've got Winthrop money line down, but like I think that the line is very fair, and I think if it was at seven, it would still be fair. So, uh, you know, your mood may vary, um, but I I like Winthrop here. I'm going to have Winthrop in my bracket. And for either of these teams, I don't have them going to the Sweet 16 uh, against Purdue in the next game, so uh, it doesn't really matter who I pick. Purdue, North Texas. I really like Purdue. Uh, I've liked this team a lot this year. Incredibly impressive. I mean, I think if they bring everybody back, they're like a legit maybe title contender next year. Uh, they've got a really good coach, uh, good size up front as usual. Uh, North Texas has uh, no answer for Travion Williams. I think Eric Hunter can slow down Hamlet for North Texas. Uh, I like Purdue here. Uh, Texas Tech, Utah State. Uh, I like Utah State here, weirdly. Um... Chris Beard is one of my favorite coaches in the tournament, frankly. <laughs> but this team has been kind of weird. Uh, I think their pack line's a little more vulnerable than usual. Uh, their offense is okay, but they're definitely prone to just like chucking up bad shots. I don't know whether that's, you know, it, it might start with Mac McClung and then sort of spread from there. Um, but I haven't loved their offense at times. Uh, I think that Utah State has a, a genuine uh, NBA player big in the middle in Kada. Um, so I think you could do a lot worse than picking a mid-major team, which, I mean, I guess Mountain West is kind of a high mid-major, but a mid-major team that has like an NBA player on the roster is usually a pretty good team to pick uh, to run a quote-unquote upset um, and yeah, I've just seen Texas Tech like get frustrated and settle for shots too often this year. If McClung's on fire, then like they're obviously going to advance. But I think Utah State has got you know the tools to at least force Texas Tech to take jump shots. And I have not liked what has happened to Texas Tech a lot when when they're playing that way. So give me Utah State here. 
Arkansas Colgate, uh, I think Colgate uh, is another one that could have been a Cinderella contender. But, I mean, I really like this Arkansas team. Uh, they're fast, they're athletic, they're switchable. Uh, if Colgate wants to run with Arkansas, and they're definitely going to want to run, uh, Arkansas would be happy to run with Colgate. Uh, there's going to be a ton of points scored. Uh, I didn't check on what the over-under was. Uh, I bet it's astronomically high. Uh, which means it's going to be a very fun game to watch. But I, I just don't think you can beat Arkansas by outrunning them. I, I, I don't think that's the way to do it. Um, so, yeah, I like Arkansas a lot here. Virginia Tech, Florida. You know, Trey Mann's been on a heater, but, you know, I'll be honest, I'm just going to pick Virginia Tech solely because I don't trust Mike White. He's burned me too often in recent years. Uh, I can't justify picking White <laughs> White Mike. <laughs> I can't justify picking White Mike over Young Mike. Um, so, yeah, give me Young Mike uh, all day in this coaching matchup. Uh, and so from there, I mean, I, I just don't know if the bodies on the floor actually matter. Um, I just trust Virginia Tech, Mike Young with prep time a lot more. So give me Virginia Tech here. Ohio State, Oral Roberts. Uh, I do like Oral Roberts against the spread. Um, they should be able to score pretty well uh, if Kyle Young is still out. I'm definitely smashing the spread. Might even pop a money line just for giggles because I do think that Oral Roberts uh, can can get some points on the board. Uh, but that said, Oral Roberts does not play defense. Ohio State has a top five offense. Yeah, I mean, whether Kyle Young plays or not, I still think that Ohio State is is a very good pick to advance here. This is not the two seed where I personally would get cute. Um, yeah, uh, let's move on to the next bracket, which is what Midwest Illinois. I mean, I guess if I'm going to take a two seed to get cute with, it's not Iowa. Maybe it'd be the Ohio state one. Cause uh, the other two seed games are, should be blowouts. Uh, Illinois Drexel, Illinois easy next, uh, Loyola, Chicago, Georgia tech. This is the hardest game in the field to pick for me. Uh, the big man battle between uh, Crutwig and Wright is going to be really interesting. Uh, Wright's got the athleticism. Uh, Crutwig's got like sort of the skill and the patience. Um, if either one of them gets in foul trouble, I think their team is completely fucked. So uh, I forget who it was. I forget what article I read. Maybe it was Three Man Weave or maybe it was Jordan. Um and maybe it was for a different game. I don't remember. But I do think a pretty good idea here is if you're watching this game, especially in the second half, if you see somebody pick up their second pretty quickly, one of those big men, hit that live uh, line. Like, you know, uh, go ahead and smash it because I, I think that the game will turn badly uh, against either one of those teams if they lose one of those guys personally. Um I think it's going to be really close beyond that. I ultimately went with Porter Moser over Josh Pastner because uh, I think he's the better coach and, you know, they've got the prep time here. Uh, admittedly, maybe it's just because I want the whole Illinois versus Loyola Chicago thing to happen, so maybe I'm uh, I'm crowded here, and maybe it's also just because, you know, Georgia Tech, <laughs> they, it was a great story. But uh, I maybe as a Duke fan, just having Jose Alvarado like stand up on a table and like beating his chest after scoring like three points on two of eleven shooting, but his team won or whatever. And I was kind of like, all right, calm, calm down, you Kirkland brand Grievous Vasquez. 
You know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> but I'm also one of the only people in the world who feels that way uh, about Alvarado. So, you know, it is what it is. People also loved Vasquez, though, I guess. You know, it's just the Duke fan in me. So maybe ignore me on this and go with other people. But that said, Loyola Chicago, I think, is the better team in general, even if the matchup is pretty interesting. Tennessee-Oregon State. Uh, I might have to go Oregon State against the spread just because, again, they they were pretty impressive uh, and kind of the Georgetown theory. If you're looking good and you're playing a team that's got some flaws the way that Tennessee definitely does, then, like, maybe that's the smart move. But, uh, you know, Tennessee has two lottery picks <laughs> and a significant length on defense. And Oregon State just wasn't very good for most of the year. So, like, that's a really hard one for me to wrap my mind around. It's one thing to pick a Georgetown over Colorado when Colorado has, like, maybe one second-round guy. But two lottery picks on the same team. Uh, you know, you've got Pons down low, one of the better interior sort of defenders in the country. Uh, you've got a lot of length on defense. You know, if John Fulkerson is out, then maybe I'd consider a flyer on Oregon State. He definitely looks pretty messed up after that game. Um, but again, this is another place where I'm going to pick the other team to advance from the sec- through the second round, so I don't think it matters much who I pick. I'm going to pick Tennessee, but if Fulkerson's out, I'm probably going to switch to Oregon State. Oklahoma State, Liberty. Um, God, there's another one where one of the favorite sort of uh, – Cinderella teams is just running into some monster athletes here. I definitely think Liberty can make a lot of threes. Uh, they might be able to control the tempo to some degree, and the, and that's the sort of thing you really look for in an upset in the tournament. But I think Cade and Avery Anderson can definitely effectively push the tempo and dictate it, at least for stretches. Uh, I'm going to take Liberty against the spread just because I, I think they're just going to make enough threes to keep it interesting. Uh, but I've really liked what I've seen from Oklahoma State for the most part, and I think that the supporting cast around Cade is getting better as the season progresses. Uh, so I like Oklahoma State to advance here. Syracuse-San Diego State. Now, uh, Kai from Three Man Weave had a great point where uh, he said he bet Cuse uh, just exclusively on his gut that uh, that Jim Beheim is going to use evil magic to win this game. And... I'm going to join Kai on this one. Uh, every year, Syracuse has like an NIT resume. Every year, they get into the tournament on some absolute bullshit, and they usually, sometimes they get first four, but here they got a seed that was way better than what they deserved. And every year, they somehow win a game, and then their fans are like, you see, we should have made the tournament, which, not the same thing, but, you know, Jim does tend to do that. I, I do like San Diego State. I think they're really well coached, but like, it's just so hard for me to wrap my mind around the fact that whenever Beheim gets into this position, he tends to pull out a win. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think San Diego State is the better team, and I'm going to pick Syracuse to win and to move on. And again, I, another position here where I have the other team advancing from the second round, so it doesn't really matter who I pick to some extent. West Virginia-Moorhead State. Uh, Moorhead State looked great against Belmont, but their offense isn't normally that good. I, I don't think they can deal with the talent level of Culver and McBride and the guards West Virginia has. I like West Virginia here. Clemson-Rutgers, uh, this is going to be an appalling game. Uh, I don't trust Brad Brownell and this particular team at all. Uh, I thought they looked pretty bad down the stretch. 
Uh, I like Rutgers. <laughs> Again, this is one where I, I guess it'll be close because it's going to be really, really gross. So it's not going to be a uh, an easy win like I think some of these other seven, ten games might be. But yeah, uh, Houston, Cleveland State. Uh, I think Houston is great. I love Houston. Uh, I don't think this game is close. Uh, I'll save some other stuff uh, to say about Houston to later. Uh, Houston. All right. So to the second round we go. Here we go. I'm going to check my timestamp here. How am I doing? Oy, oy, oy. All right. Time to speed up. Uh, Gonzaga, Mizzou. Uh, I don't think it's complicated. I mean, I think Tillman could easily get in foul trouble from Drew Timmy within 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> I think Gonzaga can win this game by double figures uh, and not really break too much of a sweat. Santa Barbara, Ohio. Uh, I think when you have a game between two Cinderella's, you ride the hot hand. Uh, Jason Preston, I think, is probably the best single player from a Cinderella candidate in the field. Is that a fair thing for me to say? That feels fair. Uh, I mean, Kata, I guess, if you like Utah State to keep moving, uh, or maybe if you have, like, Book night going on a really deep run, beating like the two seed and the three seed. I I don't have any of those things happening, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna stick with my Jason Preston is the best Cinderella uh, player in the field. Uh, I'm gonna go with Ohio, USC Kansas. Now, if David McCormack can't go, that I'm definitely taking USC. Uh, or even if he's been like limited in terms of practicing or whatever, or if if he ends up playing the first game but he kind of looks like a little rusty or whatever, uh, I'm definitely taking USC. Uh, if Kansas is at full strength, you know, it's going to really be tough to bet against Kansas. Um, I don't really trust this Kansas team, but I also don't trust Andy Enfield. Um, Marcus Garrett can definitely turn over USC's guards. But, man, Kansas's offense has just not been good from what I've seen. USC has the best player on the floor by a lot. Um, and, I mean, what are they going to do if McCormack is, is limited or in foul trouble? Or what, what are they going to put Mitch Lightfoot on Evan Mobley? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that they've got anybody for the Mobleys. So, like, even though this is me going against my, like, pick the coach you trust more thing. I mean, I guess Bill Self is also not exactly the most sterling reputation in March, you know, on a year-in and year-out basis. So uh, I like USC here. I like them to move on to the Sweet 16. Uh, Oregon versus Iowa. I think Altman can definitely do some tricky things defensively here. Um, but I, especially with, like, the short prep time, as, as hard as it's going to be for Iowa to prep for what Oregon wants to do defensively, I also think it's going to be hard for Oregon to prep for just how goddamn good Iowa's offense is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just like Iowa to advance here. I don't think it's overly complicated. Again, I think if you're going to get cute with the two seed, you do with Iowa, maybe you advance Oregon from here. Um, especially because, again, I, I don't have anybody beating Gonzaga uh, in this part of the bracket. So good place to play with some upsets. But there you go. Uh, Michigan St. Bonaventure, you want to talk about upsets? Give me the Bonnies, baby. Uh, the East, my chaos bracket, my beautiful, sweet, sweet chaos bracket. Um, once again, I have FSU in the next game beating either team, whether Michigan advances or not. So why not have some fun and knock out a one seed in the second round? You know, in a year where it's, where it's kind of crazy, Michigan lost its, its best player. You know, the Bonnies have terrific chemistry, play together beautifully. Um, 
you know, they've got great ball movement. They've got good rim protection. They can probably do some things against Hunter Dickinson. Uh, they have some experience over a Michigan team that's definitely still going to be figuring out livers and, and definitely has a, a couple of younger pieces. They definitely don't have as much depth as they're used to having uh, with livers out. So I, I like Bonnie's here. This is where you really start to have fun, and if you're going to have fun anywhere, it's definitely going to be in the East. Uh, FSU, Georgetown. Uh, look, if the Hoyas remain hot, they can shoot it over the length of the Seminoles. Uh, but I'm going to go with FSU here. Uh, I, Georgetown's not that deep, and FSU is quite deep. Uh, they got a lot of length, a lot of versatility. Um, I, I like FSU to advance here. BYU-Texas, I think this is a really interesting matchup as well. It's not very interesting for me to continue saying interesting matchup, right? I'm going to take a sip of water. Hold on a second. I'm probably not going to edit this out because it's nighttime and I'm trying to get it up in the morning, but whatever. This is unfiltered, raw, uncut podcasting. Uh, <laughs> I think that Jericho Sims uh, probably deals with BYU's size inside really well. Texas has guards that can deal with BYU's when Texas is on either end. So there's definitely some stuff playing in Texas's favor, but BYU, I think, can limit transition buckets uh, for Texas. I think BYU can make threes. I think if the game is really close and you don't know what to do, picking a team that you know is a good free-throw shooting team really helps. Uh, BYU is one of the better ones in the field, if I recall correctly. Um, and again, I, I would have either of these teams losing in the next round. Uh, so I am happy to go with what is probably an upset and pick BYU here. Uh, again, I, I think they have a coaching advantage also. UConn, Alabama. I think that UConn is going to be a really sexy pick for a lot of people here. Uh, they've been a top five team over the last month. I wouldn't really blame anyone, but like I, I'm struggling with the notion that I would have to get off the Alabama train. I, I think the way to beat UConn is to is to beat them in transition, which is basically all Alabama does, and to shoot over UConn's very good defense, which again, that's all Alabama does. Alabama is certainly a team that has the potential to go cold and drop early, I suppose, uh, just because of the sheer amount of threes they shoot. But they can also just get up and run, get those easy baskets, get those easy layups. Uh, I like Alabama here. They also, they're just so pesky on defense. I think they can do some things to help limit the impactfulness of Book Knight, uh, and then that sort of is going to help take care of a lot of other things. Baylor-UNC, really interesting matchup due to UNC's size inside. Uh, but I think Baylor's guards would absolutely destroy UNC's guards. Uh, I like Baylor in a game. Is it is it tempting fate to say that it's going to be not that close? Look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hammer US, UNC money line in this game on the old classic emotional hedge bet. right? Because if UNC knocks out a one seed, I'm going to be miserable as a Duke fan. But... I, I don't know what the spread is going to be, but I bet it'll be healthy enough that if I smash the ever-loving hell out of that money line, that if UNC does win and I'm miserable, at least I can get paid off really nicely for my misery. Uh, so that's probably what's going to happen here one way or another. Uh, but I like Baylor in my bracket to advance. Uh, Winthrop Purdue, another place uh, where I would pick a Cinderella potentially because I have... Uh, either of these teams losing to Baylor in the next round. But 
I, I'm not I'm not convinced that Purdue can slow Winthrop's offense that much. So, I mean, again, Winthrop definitely has the potential to win this game, but I don't think Winthrop has the interior defense to deal with Williams. Uh, and Purdue's ball motion is just so smooth. I, I don't know that Winthrop can do it uh, a good job on defense with short prep time. Um, again, I, I could be proven wrong here, but I, I just really, really liked what I've seen from Purdue this year. Uh, so I'm going to go with Purdue. Utah State, Arkansas. I think this could get really interesting. I, I don't think the Razorbacks really have anybody for Kata. I mean, they they kind of do, and they've got like length in general. They can they can find ways of of making some stuff happen against him. But I bet he probably goes off for some good. Like if you're doing like whatever the DraftKings version for the NCAA tournament, I I think Kata is probably a pretty good pick. Uh, for this opening weekend. That said, I think Utah State's backcourt is going to be uh, too turnover-prone, uh, especially against a team with the defensive length and athleticism of Arkansas. Uh, I like Arkansas here. Virginia Tech, Ohio State. I'm going to keep riding the Buckeyes here. I don't think Virginia Tech has the personnel to deal with uh, EJ Liddell. Um, I just don't think... And and also it's it's they're they're a team that has been really hard to tell because they uh, miss so much time due to COVID. Just how good they actually are. Like, are they good? They have a good coach. They've got a couple of good players. Um, they're young. They've got some guys who will return next year who will be interesting. But they definitely get beat up by players, especially big men who can do some things. And Liddell uh, is definitely one of those dudes. Uh, I like Ohio State here. Illinois, Illinois, Chicago. I would love to see Sister Jean advance here, but man, it is really hard to bet against Illinois' backcourt in this matchup. Uh, Kofi Coburn can definitely get uh, Krotwig into foul trouble. Uh, definitely, probably handle him some on defense. Uh, I I bet Porter Moser is going to do some things to get Kofi Coburn away from the rim to put him in some you know switches or some screens. Uh, you know, I think that that's where I've seen Illinois' defense struggle the most. I think Coburn's done a pretty good job of getting better at these sorts of things. Um, that said, I like, I mean, <laughs> I, I think it's Sam Bassini uh, at The Athletic who said that, like, he watched Jalen Johnson, like, not be able to get around Kofi Coburn in sort of an isolation offensive possession for Johnson. And, you know, I think that was meant more as a diss against Johnson. But it's also a bit of a compliment to Coburn uh, and the fact that, like, his feet move a little better and whatever. Um, but I bet Moser's going to try to exploit that to some extent, run some switches, see if he can get him out of there, get him in some foul trouble maybe, get him off the court. That way Crutwig can sort of uh, do some more things potentially. Uh, it's going to be two great coaches. It's going to be a hell of a game. I, I just don't think you can bet against uh, Illinois' backcourt in a matchup like this. Um, so I'm going to go with Illinois here. Tennessee, Oklahoma State, uh, obviously another one that depends some on Fulkerson. Uh, I, I, their interior defense just isn't quite the same without him. Uh, they've got a lot of athletes. You know, again, on paper, it's one of those things where you're like, well, goddamn, they have two lottery picks. They've got a lot of length. They play really good defense. Maybe I should pick Tennessee, but I, I just don't really know that that offense hums like that. I think that Cade Cunningham is going to be super tough for any defender to deal with, regardless of whether you're a lottery pick or not. Um, I think all Oklahoma State needs to do here is create some transition opportunities uh, and not just get sort of caught in half court where Tennessee's defense uh, can sort of really shine. I also think Boynton's going to zone a Tennessee, which should work really well. Again, I'm not in love with Tennessee's offense. 
So I like Oklahoma State to advance here. Uh, another weekend of Cade, baby. Uh, Syracuse, West Virginia. I, I mean, with the guards West Virginia has, look, I, I don't know the numbers of this West Virginia team against the zone. I, I didn't look them up or whatever, so maybe I'm completely off here. It feels like personnel that can destroy a zone. Uh, and again, I don't have a lot of faith in the Syracuse team. I have faith in Evil Magic winning one game, but Evil Magic cannot topple Huggy Bear. Uh, I'm going to go West Virginia here. Rutgers-Houston. Uh, you know, Rutgers is uh, good. I enjoyed uh, watching Rutgers some, especially earlier in the year. Houston is the number one team in America over the last month, according to Bart Torvik. I mean, think about that with, like, Gonzaga and Illinois being as, as good as they've been. Houston has been better over the last month, according to Bart Torvik. Uh, they're the country's best defense in terms of points per possession. Uh, I have no clue how Rutgers scores any points in this game at all. Uh, Houston should coast. Sweet 16, uh, Gonzaga, Ohio. Uh, God bless Jason Preston. Uh, but no, that's not happening. I'm going Gonzaga here. USC, Iowa. Now, this is a really interesting game. Because of the Mobleys versus Garza, I think, uh, God, I would love to watch this game happen. I, I really wonder what would happen. Um, because the Mobleys, I mean, Garza's not going to be able to do much defensively. I know that they've got some other guys they can put in, but, like, there just aren't too many interiors that have what USC has. I mean, even UNC's guys can't really, like, step out and make some outside jumpers and what have you. Um, and not all of them sort of play the defense uh, that the Mobleys play. Uh, in particular, Evan is just a phenomenal defender. Evan Mobley versus Luca Garza is just making me go from six to midnight here. You know what I mean? It'd be phenomenal to watch. Uh, the thing that I think plays in Iowa's favor here is that Garza can stretch the floor, bring the big men out of the paint some, and then, you know, to some extent, I think if you can get the Mobleys out of the paint... Uh, Iowa definitely has an advantage on the guard side of things. Uh, it's really about that matchup on the inside. If you can get on defense, the Mobley's out of the paint, or at least one of them. And then on all, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do defensively to stop the Mobley's when the USC has the ball. Um, well, I mean, I know what they're going to do. I take it back. I was going to zone, and they're going to try to force USC to win by shooting threes. And if they do that, then Iowa should basically always win here uh, unless Luca Garza gets into foul trouble and and, and things go weird. But I, I, I like Iowa here. Bonnies, FSU, uh, really love both of these teams. Wish I could take the Bonnies further. Uh, again, my my final four team is from the other side of this bracket, so maybe I could have some fun here to some extent. But like taking the Bonnies to the Elite Eight uh, on a lark, especially if you're in one of those brackets where you get more points the the later in the bracket it is, uh, then I definitely would go FSU here. I think the best ways to beat FSU are, are through making a bunch of threes or turning them over a lot. I, I don't think that's really what the Bonnies do. FSU should disrupt the Bonnies' offense to some extent. Um, so, yeah, I like FSU here. I just think it's just they are freak athletes, uh, freak specimens <laughs> with Barnes and Gray and, and uh, Coprevizia. Uh, I, I guarantee I didn't say that right. Um, I saw that kid play in high school uh, in person, and he just destroyed Bull Bull. He just, like, decimated Bull Bull. It was, it was awesome. Um, 
So, yeah, anyway, that's a sidebar. Uh, I like FSU to advance to the Elite Eight. BYU, Alabama, uh, you know, Alabama doesn't really have anyone for Harms, I don't think, but if Harms is on the floor, Alabama is just going to run circles around BYU. I kind of think it's a really great matchup for Alabama. I think they're kind of hoping that this side of the bracket turns out this way. Uh, So I like Alabama here. Baylor, Purdue, uh, Williams uh, versus Mark Vidal is an awesome matchup. Uh, I think... Uh, Baylor's more experienced guards are probably going to get the better of Purdue's. Purdue is like a year away. The, I really enjoy watching them play. They've still got some growing to do. Um, they should bring everybody back, and yeah, it's going to be a really special team, but I, I don't think you're going to be able to out-backcourt these guys, even if Trevion Williams is able to go off and, and be the sort of special player that he is, which is going to be tough against Baylor's interior. Um, I... Just so much of Purdue's offense comes from the post. I think Baylor's got the personnel to limit that action. Even if you think that Baylor's not especially great defense post-COVID shutdown is like now the lay of the land, is now the the way it's going to be, I, I still am going to have Baylor advancing here. Arkansas, Ohio State. Uh, I think that Arkansas switchability is pretty bad news for Ohio State's offense. I think the best thing that Ohio State can do is they can have their bigs go outside, um, open up the lanes for their guards. Uh, like, But I think that Arkansas, you know, with their switchability, they can do some things if Liddell tries to go outside. I mean, like, I, I don't think that it's going to be very easy for Ohio State's guards to, you know, get dribble drive action going. Um, I do think it's a pretty close matchup. I do really like Chris Holtman. Um, but I, I do like Arkansas here to move on. Illinois, Oklahoma State. I don't think anybody realistically on Illinois can stop Cade, but what I do think Illinois can do is make it a one-man show and then just lock everybody else down. I do think they have the personnel to uh, make Curbelo the more like uh, or not Curbelo. I think they have the personnel to, uh, with Curbelo, uh, deal with like Avery Anderson, some of the other guards that Oklahoma State has. Um, I also don't think Oklahoma State has anybody for Coburn. Um, again, I think that Oklahoma State could do some scheming to get Coburn into some foul trouble to make some things interesting on that end. But ultimately, I just think Illinois can beat you in more ways than Oklahoma State can. Uh, and maybe there's a small coaching advantage here. I do love Brad Underwood. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Illinois here. Uh, bye-bye, Cade. West Virginia versus Houston, uh, really good matchup. Houston's got the personnel to deal with West Virginia's guards defensively. I don't think Western Virginia's – Western Virginia? Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't think West Virginia's ball pressure is as good as we're used to. Uh, Houston honestly has a bit of West Virginia in them in that they've got that like super aggressive pressure and then they like foul a ton. And so West Virginia should actually get a lot of foul shots. And I looked at the numbers and West Virginia is not as foul prone as they usually are. They're, they're just not pressuring as much, which I guess I knew from watching, but I think they're free throw rate on uh, defense is only like, you know, top a hundred. Whereas normally it's like, down in like the 270s, you know, something like this. Well, I think that's a very interesting adjustment that uh, that Huggy Bear has made here. I think they'll both crash the offensive glass. I, neither of them is really going to defensive rebound sort of by scheme. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for putbacks here. So, I mean, bit coin flippy here. I ultimately just kind of trust Houston more this year 
Um, I do think that this would be an absolute hell of a game. Um, and if we get to the Sweet 16 and West Virginia-Houston happens, I'm definitely going to read what like Jordan and the three-man weave guys say about this because I bet there's some glaringly obvious uh, scheme thing that I'm overlooking uh, in my relatively blind love of Houston here. Uh, so I'm taking Houston. Elite Eight, here we go, Gonzaga-Iowa. I mean, now we're going to get to the real money matchups, right? Dynamite matchup. going to be great to see a second game, but like I kind of see it playing out the same way as the first one did. I think Luka is going to get his way. I think the Zags can cut off the three-point line for Iowa. And then I think Gonzaga wins really easily. <laughs> I, You know, I, I wonder if there's a prop bet that I could take. I wonder what odds I could get in Vegas. God, this is a great question for Jim. Uh, what odds I could get in Vegas that Gonzaga wins every game in the first two weekends by double figures? I wonder what odds I could get there. Like, this is obviously the one that's going to get diciest for them, I think, because I don't think I was just going to lay down, and Iowa did admittedly shoot really, really poorly in that first game. That was also somewhat by Gonzaga's defensive design, and Iowa has nothing defensively that they can do for Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga's going to score 100 points in this game. So, yeah, I think Gonzaga wins easily here. FSU-Alabama, I mean, <laughs> electric matchup of athletes here. Uh, I really think either team could win. Uh, this one was the hardest one maybe in terms of, like, who I think should advance. FSU's definitely got more size and strength than Bama, uh, I think. Uh, they are also better shooters from distance. They're at least more consistent shooters um, that said, uh, Alabama can definitely turn FSU over. And like I said before, that's a big, uh, flaw in FSU's armor. Uh, and also Alabama should be able to get quick buckets in transition, uh, before FSU sort of gets back and sets up their like monstrously long defense. They can also shoot over FSU's defense to some extent. They can cut off the three-point line from FSU uh, to some extent. So, I mean, even with FSU's advantages with size, I think uh, Nate Oates and Alabama make the Final Four here. Baylor, Arkansas. Uh, I think ultimately Baylor's just got the experience. I think they can probably turn Arkansas over some. Uh, I think they can defend uh, effectively against Arkansas's offensive versatility. I think they'll win the offensive glass. Uh, definitely should be able to fill it up from three. Uh, Arkansas should make this close. I really just love the fact that Arkansas sort of plays this pro style where uh, it's all sort of spread. It's very free. Uh, it's very switchy. You know, it's very like a, a lot of people can do a lot of things to some extent. Um, but I like Baylor here. Um, again, maybe... Maybe this goes back to the thing I said before where I just like don't buy that the Baylor is that vulnerable. Um, maybe they are. and In which case, I think you pick Arkansas out of this side of the bracket personally. Uh, I'm a big fan of theirs. Illinois-Houston, I mean, <laughs> man, this would be another great game. Uh, Houston just is not going to let Illinois get easy baskets. I mean, like that's such a big thing. Illinois is not the best free-throw shooting team either. Like I can see a situation in which you know, Houston commits 15, 16 fouls and a half, but it doesn't necessarily make enough of a difference. Uh, I think Illinois is going to get a lot of second chances on the offensive glass. They're the better rebounding team on the whole. I think Houston, maybe offensive rebounding-wise, 
uh, would be close. But, uh, you know, I think if, if Illinois is going to win, they win it on the glass, right? They'd prevent Houston from having their normal offensive rebounding advantage, and then they get some offensive rebounds themselves, some putbacks. And, you know, uh, they're also going to get to the line. Uh, they can definitely make them pay if they're making their free throws. Um, the safe pick is probably Illinois, uh, but I'm going to pick Houston uh, because, A, They've been the best team over the last month. B, uh, I really love the way this team has played. I, I love the resiliency uh, against, you know, they had some injury issues early in the season. They lost, like, I, I can't imagine what it would be like if they were full strength. Uh, it'd be wild. Um, <laughs> they're already so, so good. I mean, Kelvin Sampson is just a wizard, man. And then, uh, again, I think going against where the popular picks will be is smart, and I think Illinois is the team that everyone's going to have coming out of this side of the bracket because the last game before the bracket was released was Illinois beating uh, Ohio State in sort of dramatic fashion. Um, a lot of people are going to know Io DeSunmu and the mask and everything else. So I think Illinois is going to be a popular pick. Um, I love Brad Underwood. I think he's one of the better coaches in the country. I struggle to not pick him here i think the smart thing for me to do is go houston final four uh gonzaga alabama you know i i think if gonzaga has a weakness it's going to be at the rim it would be like i'm trying to think of what team would do some interesting things against gonzaga like you know not necessarily Purdue because Purdue would have some other issues and Gonzaga's got more experience, but but somebody like that, you know, someone who can make Drew Timmy really work. I mean, I guess I guess Culver did a pretty good job in the Gonzaga West Virginia game of doing some of those things. Make Timmy have to work really hard on defense. Uh, you know, frustrate him on offense. Uh, I I think that that's where Gonzaga could be beaten, and it'll be sort of interesting to see if there's a team even on there <laughs> in any of these sides of the bracket that, that have the personnel necessary. I, I don't think Alabama's that team. They just take too many threes. You know, I think Gonzaga loves to lure teams into taking jumpers and then and then making them tough jumpers. Uh, and, you know, if Alabama wants to run in transition, you know they do, uh, Gonzaga would be so happy to play that way. <laughs> I mean, like, and and if you do get into half-court sets, I trust Gonzaga a lot more than I trust Alabama. Uh, I do ultimately think in a game that's this high scoring, it's going to be which team is hotter. Uh, I definitely think Alabama could be that uh, on any given day. If they played this game 10 times, I think Alabama could win it three times that's that maybe i'm not being fair i wonder what the uh what the three man weave guys would think about that um they have better numbers they have better like crunch stats this is just me going purely off of feel when i say something like that uh but that would be a hell of a game i really want to see gonzaga play alabama i think that'd be awesome and i think gonzaga would win baylor houston i mean that's another barn burner there houston is going to just pressure the hell out of baylor that might cause some issues uh baylor should be able to turn houston over a little bit too both teams want to shoot threes. Both teams should be pretty effective at chasing the other team off the three-point line. I think that both teams, when they get out of their rhythm, when they do get cold, they get a little jump shot happy. Um, and so ultimately, I want to pick the team where I trust the backcourt the most. 
uh, in a situation like this, and I think that Butler and Mitchell is probably the best backcourt in the country. So I'm going to pick Baylor to advance here, uh, and then we get the championship that we all kind of want, <laughs> which is Gonzaga-Baylor. Uh, the game that was canceled earlier in the season, it'd be all, oh, everyone would mention that a hundred times. It'd be great. Uh, really offensive bonanza. Uh, I think that Baylor is going to give Gonzaga a lot to worry about matchup wise. I definitely think they've got, you know, some physical play down low. Uh, again, their backcourt has the sort of experience. I mean, like Mitchell can definitely give Suggs some issues. And we've seen that when Suggs is not in or is not playing his best, the Gonzaga can, you know, maybe take a bit of a step back. Uh, I think they've got the sort of perimeter defenders to at least make Kispert work. Uh, I don't think they'd give up a ton of things that are easy necessarily. I think that they would definitely make Gonzaga work very hard on defense to stop the Baylor offense, especially with the barrage of threes that Baylor is going to want to throw down. But, you know, let's, let's, let's break this down beyond the matchup for a second, okay? Gonzaga has two top 10 picks. Let's say that Baylor has like, uh, maybe let's say they have a one first rounder, like an end of first rounder, maybe in a best case scenario, two end of first rounders. uh, And maybe like a third guy in the second round, but like they don't have two top 10 picks the way that Gonzaga has. Okay. Gonzaga has an all American in the paint. Scott Drew's last Elite Eight was a decade ago. Mark Few has been to three of the last five. Corey Kispert has played in seven NCAA tournament games. Baylor's most experienced players have played in only one NCAA tournament game. And most of Baylor's players have not played in the NCAA tournament, at least under Baylor. Oh, that might... I I just said that stat without looking up how many people were in what class. And maybe one of those guys is like a transfer that I'm forgetting about. But um, the point is, Gonzaga is seasoned. The coach is a huge advantage uh, for Gonzaga. Um, the talent is advantage Gonzaga. And, you know, in a close game where you really want to just sort of throw your hands up and be like, whoever's best today wins – you sort of need to side with the intangibles. I think Gonzaga's got the intangibles to spare. Uh, I'm going to go Gonzaga to to win it all, to close it out. Um, and really, I, I just don't think that Gonzaga... I think Gonzaga will be challenged at some point in here. I don't want to be like too flip about it. I definitely think in the Final Four and in the Finals, they're going to face the type of adversity that they didn't have to face too much. Uh, but I also just sort of wonder whether that BYU first half is going to wake them up some because, I mean, it looked like it was over for like a half. Now, granted, did I smash the Gonzaga second half money line? You bet I did. Did I cash in on that? You bet I did. They still won the game by double figures. But, you know, I, I think they realize – I don't think Mark Few is going to let them fall asleep at the wheel in the tournament like that. Um you know, this is a team that's like one, like uh, Karnowski shitty performance away from a championship. You know, so like, I think Few understands what to do, and then it's about execution. And this team is just more seasoned than the other team. Uh, I think it's Gonzaga's time. Uh, I'm gonna go with them here. Uh, 
So to sum up my final four, uh, I got Gonzaga, Baylor, uh, Alabama, Houston. I think other teams you could easily pick to go to the final four. Uh, I think FSU is a totally reasonable pick. I think uh, Arkansas is an obviously reasonable pick. I think Illinois is probably a reasonable pick. Uh, if I wanted to get even cuter still, what I want to, I mean, like, I don't know what I would do from there. I mean, maybe Ohio state, uh, Ohio state, like just tends to get a little like funky toward the ends of games sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know where I would go. <laughs> if I wanted to pick somebody else, I think that those are the good ones. I mean, maybe, no, 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 because they're in the same bracket as Gonzaga. I don't think you, I think if you want to be smart, you you should not fade Gonzaga. I know you're going to be like, oh, but Russell, you said pick what other people aren't picking, and everybody's going to pick Gonzaga. That's true, but like also, if Gonzaga wins, you need to be one of the people with Gonzaga, and then it's about how you did on the other things. And I don't think Gonzaga has too many realistic uh, opponents in their side of the bracket to make things interesting for them. Um, so yeah, I definitely think you need to pick Gonzaga to go to the, at minimum the final four. And then maybe from there you can get cute. Um, let me tell you what first round bets I really liked. Uh, I like Drake and the pick them. Uh, I like Illinois minus 22 and a half. I'm just going to say the lines that I had when I made my bets. Um, I got on it a little late, admittedly. So, uh, but then again, also maybe because these games are a couple days away, they might change. Utah State uh, plus four and a half. Again, I, I like Utah State to win outright, um, but I definitely like uh, the plus four and a half. UNC minus uh, one and a half. Uh, again, I just don't know what Wisconsin can do with those bigs. Liberty plus seven and a half. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Houston minus twenty and a half. Uh, again, I just think they're a freight train this first weekend. Rutgers minus one and a half. Don't trust Clemson at all. Winthrop uh, plus six and a half. And again, uh, putting a little bit down on the old money line. Not a bad idea there. Georgetown plus five. I think the exact same thing. Bonnie's plus one and a half. I think is really interesting. I guess LSU should be favored, but I like the Bonnies there a lot. Uh, Santa Barbara plus seven and a half. Again, even if you want to pick Creighton to win, uh, I think that the spread is good there. Same for Grand Canyon plus 14 and a half. I like that one. Bama minus 17. Uh, I think they're going to win that opening round game by 30. Uh, Ohio plus seven and a half. And again, I like them to go to the Sweet 16, so you know I like money line action there. Mizzou plus two, uh, which again, you kind of might as well just take Mizzou money line if you believe in them. Uh Alabine, Alabine, it's too late. Adeline Christian plus eight and a half. Um and again, I think if you wanted to get even more cute than I got, the upsets that I did not take that I think are totally fair to take. I do think that Abilene Christian would be one of those. Um I think that taking uh what else do I really like? I mean, I I think that the Grand Canyon over Iowa would be fascinating if it happened. Uh, if Kansas is still dragging, if, if they say that more people are out or whatever, then maybe Eastern Washington is worth uh, a try there. Although, again, I, I kind of have little to no faith there. Oregon State over Tennessee, uh, especially if Fulkerson is out, is worth, uh, is worth looking at. I think that uh, Liberty is... 
uh, over Oklahoma State. Oh man, I mean they have they have the giant killer material. I mean they definitely do. I it's it's hard to deny that. Um, even though you know I love Cade and I and I think that they can push the tempo there. Uh, if if you want to take some upsets, then maybe going there. Uh, in terms of like second round like upsets that I did not take that maybe you could take. Uh, I mean, fading Illinois against Loyola Chicago, maybe? I mean, uh, <laughs> again, a lot of people are going to have Illinois going really far. So if you want to break with the trend, uh, you can do a lot worse than having like a top 10 Ken Palm team with a really, really good coach and a big man that can sort of help deal with their big man. I mean, you can do much, much worse than that. Um yeah, and then teams that are like lower seeds that I think could realistically go to like the Elite Eight or further. I, I definitely think that USC could make the Elite Eight. I think the Bonnies could make the Elite Eight. Um, I really like Alabama, so I wouldn't do this, but UConn going to the Elite Eight I think is completely justifiable. Um, yeah, I think that's enough. I think I've given you plenty. Uh, if you're still listening to this, Mazel Tov. Um, Look, if you have any questions, uh, hit me up at seconds, the number two madness on Twitter. Uh, thank you to everybody who asked to hear what I have to say. That's always pretty humbling. Uh, we're going to try to bring the show back next year, uh, at least maybe, you know, in intervals, maybe at least do some preseason stuff. Uh, maybe I'll do some solo stuff and then we'll do some KB stuff, uh, you know, when, when the schedules align. I, I don't really know exactly what will happen. But I miss talking college basketball. I miss talking to KB. I miss talking to you all. Um, and right now, I miss going to bed at a reasonable hour. So I am going to wrap this thing up again. At seconds, the number two madness. Uh, thanks again to everybody. Thank you to Three Man Weave and uh, Jordan Majewski. If I totally ripped off a couple of your talking points, uh, I apologize. And uh, the only reason I did that is because you're – smarter than me so <laughs> if i needed another point i and i used one of yours it was probably like damn that's the thing i was looking to say but then i couldn't quite so uh, definitely go check their stuff out as well um if you want even more in-depth analysis they go way further in depth than i did here um so go check them out thank you to everybody thank you to uh kb thank you to the good people at Duke University, they'll be back next year. And uh, thank you to everybody who is out there wearing a mask and staying safe. Uh, for K-Bad, I am Russell Hainline, and this has been 2.1 Seconds to Madness. You know my good night. Day. Let them know.